My name is Wright. I am the voice of reason. I speak for the last crusade. Let us say clearly at the outset who we are, for what we fight, and in whose name. Let us say what the enemy is, and why he says he fights, and then say why he truly fights. We are those who accept the fundamental first principles of Western civilization, of Christendom. It is in the name of those principles, and for their sake, that we take up this most holy and most unlikely crusade. There are nine points of belief. We believe in the majesty of truth, in the impartiality of reason, in the objectivity of reality. We believe in the authority of virtue, the verity of beauty, the dignity of man, the equality of law, and the duty of patriots to uphold that law. And we believe in revealed truths too sacred for any law to approach or touch. Because human dignity belongs to man by nature, not by grant of law, hence natural also are his sacred rights to life, liberty, and the possession of the fruits of his labor. Sacred also are his oaths, duties, and covenants. We believe it is the sacred duty to enact among men just and equal laws to protect those rights and enforce those duties. A man-made law purporting to alienate man from his natural rights merely loses its own authority as law. Hence it is the duty of patriots to love their homes and homelands and to defend those laws. However, there are things more sacred than law which the law may not overbear, including the sacred duty to love and adore and serve the Creator, whose hands makes all things men know and makes man. In other words, put more simply, we hold that truth is true, reason is reasonable, reality is real, goodness is good, beauty is beautiful, and that man is man. Sacred, therefore, are the laws that uphold, the flag that protects, and the cross that endows the rights of man to man. From these nine principles spring corollaries, too numerous to list here. We hence also believe that man is made in the image and likeness of God, and therefore must be treated with due courtesy, even when deadly foes. A man who breaks his word mars his humanity because he dishonors the gift of speech, which comes from the Creator. A man who fornicates or welcomes the fornication of others, even if it be in his thought only, dishonors the gift of romance, love, matrimony, family. He desecrates the gift of purity, which also comes from the Creator. Likewise, a partial or unequal court of law dishonors the gift of justice. Likewise, a scientist or scholar who adulterates his results through political convenience violates the virgin majesty of truth. Likewise, those who lust for the property of others and seek to batten themselves on the fruits of another's labor violates the sacred property rights of his brother, demeans his own soul with envy, and mocks the American way of life. Likewise, again, those who trample tradition merely for the sake of novelty cheat both their forefathers of, and cheat their progeny. Hence, the changes are not to be made for light or transient reasons, and never radical changes, but always gradually, lawfully, organically. Society is not a machine to be engineered, nor are the minds of the young merely blank slates for the iron pen of the reformer to inscribe. Neither is society merely a social construct, nor is a nation a hotel which where one stores transient goods. Your home and your homeland are your beloved. It is for these things that we take the cross of the crusade. All men of goodwill are welcome in this crusade. 
the atheist or agnostic who believes marriage to be sacred, property rights to be sacred, human life from conception to natural death to be sacred, even if his eyes be too heavy or his brain too proud to see the source of these sacred things, has a welcome part to play in our war against the darkness. We fight in the name of Christ, for only in his name is victory certain. Those who wish to close ranks with us who cannot say that name are welcome nonetheless, for our enemies are your enemies, and they wish us both dead. Who is the enemy? Blink not at any dust thrown in your eyes. The enemy pretends to be a political party, but it is a party that continually changes its name, and its concerns have little or nothing to do with politics properly so called. They call themselves liberal, although they hate liberty. They call themselves progressive, even though they oppose progress and undermine it. They call themselves socialist, even though they destroy society. Their economic theory of these so-called socialists is merely an insolent abolition of economics, and therefore all attempts to enact these feverish visions of false prophets ends in the abolition of the social order. They call themselves communists, even though they do not live as early Christians did and share all property in common. And with every generation, as soon as they are known, they change their name again and pretend to have nothing to do with their exact same party of a generation ago. The enemy is anyone who believes, or without knowing it, accepts the conclusions springing from the beliefs of the opposition principles to the nine here mentioned. The enemy says truth is subjective, truth is not truth, therefore no lie is forbidden. The enemy says human reason is partial and untrustworthy. Therefore, rational argument is in vain. The enemy says reality is a matter of personal preference or social conditioning. The enemy says that since reality is opinion, therefore no standard exists by which any man or any culture can be judged inferior or superior to any other. Therefore, judgment in matters of vice and virtue is forbidden. Justice, therefore, is unjust. A discriminating judgment is, therefore, discrimination. The enemy says that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and man is the measure of all things. Therefore, ghastly ugliness that shocks the senses is true art, and all beauty must be dunked in urine, smeared with feces, and sprayed with graffiti. The enemy holds that man is merely a beast, no better than any other beast, except when found inferior. The enemy holds that man enjoys collective rights only, which is to say, no rights at all. The enemy holds that patriotism is warlike, therefore bigotry... Therefore forbidden. Only hatred and contempt for one's own homeland is praiseworthy. Therefore treason, according to the enemy, is the highest form of patriotism. The enemy holds that God is dead. Therefore anything is permitted. Therefore right and wrong is merely a matter of the strong oppressing the weak. Whatever is lawful is good. Whatever is forbidden is bad. Because the enemy has banished the very concept of objective morals, the enemy banishes also the concept of the conscience. If there is no objective moral light for this inner eye of the conscience to see, then the voice of the conscience is merely the echo of the Pavlovian conditioning of society, or the jerks on the marionette strings of the selfish genes to whose tune we puppets dance. But no man can live without a sense of right and wrong any more than a motorist can drive crowded highways safely without any traffic laws. So the enemy substitutes political correctness for the conscience. Instead of saying what is right and wrong, the enemy merely says that some things are welcome or unwelcome, either tolerant or insensitive, either appropriate or inappropriate. This has nothing to do with courtesy or politeness. The enemy takes special joy in swinish putrefaction of speech 
and vomit spews of four-letter words. The enemy interrupts, silences, suppresses, and gags all opposition. Courtesy, the enemy is the absolute foe of courtesy. Vulgarization is his goal. He must rob you of dignity in order to dehumanize you, in order to demonize you, in order to make it seem appropriate to kill you. For who would not punch a Nazi? Who would not kill a demon? No, no, courtesy is not involved at any level. Assigning what is moral or immoral refers to an eternal standard, and saying what is polite and impolite refers to a cultural standard, and the enemy will have none of either. But saying what is appropriate or inappropriate is saying what the authority allows. It is saying what the man with the whip permits. It is based on power, not on any standard. When the powers that be claim something is now suddenly inappropriate for you, or remaining appropriate for them, the concept of inappropriate allows for no rebuttal or objection. When the powers that be proclaim the rules for thee and not for me, the rules are based on power, not on justice, and the power assumed is the power to be answerable to none. Our spirit is the spirit of Christ and of love. Theirs is antichrist and hate. We believe in truth, reason, sanity, virtue, beauty, dignity, equality, liberty, and faith. The enemy promotes belief in nihilism, nonsense, subjectivism, perversion, ugliness, degradation, collectivism, totalitarianism, and atheism. Now, obviously no one brain could hold all these contradictions and stay sane. Some men seduced by the enemy believe in one bit of the nonsense, and some believe in a bit of another. But the general mob of the enemy circles between these nine poles, sometimes knowingly, but most unknowingly. The more of these nine anti-principles a man believes, the more politically correct, that is, the more empty of humanity, he is. The left is divided into Eloy and Morlocks. The Morlocks maintain and operate the intellectual machinery needed to provide the superstructure of excuses and justifications to deflect or shout down an irrational inquiry into their nine fundamental axioms. They are more or less aware of the meaning of the axioms. The Eloi are their food animals, merely led to follow the warm and thoughtless group thoughts of the rabbit warren. They recite the opinions fed to them by the Morlocks and imbibe the soporifics and soma needed to keep the Eloi both docile enough to obey and angry, paranoid, and hysterical enough to panic and riot upon command. Ironically, one of these opinions the Eloi are expected to believe without reflection and to parrot without thought is that each of the Eloi is an individualistic nonconformist and a boldly independent free thinker. One of their dogmas is that none of their dogmas are dogmatically held, but merely the common sense and common decency of all right-thinking people. But when I speak of the enemy, I do not speak of any of the Eloi. I speak of no one blinkered, hoodwinked, bridled, and saddled by the Morlocks. They are the hapless and hysterical victims of a massive deception and self-deception campaign. They are guilty of neglect of thought, and guilty of an overabundance of guilt, and a lack of mental courage, nothing more. So the evil does not issue from them. The Morlocks, likewise, are not the enemy, even though they serve the enemy with open eyes, and ignorance is no excuse for their sins. But they are victims just as much as their own victims are. 
These ideas, these nine nonsense axioms of truthlessness, illogic, unreality, and so on, are harmful not only to the peace and happiness of any society that tolerates them, they are harmful to the sick and twisted souls of any man who embraces them. These ideas are not really ideas, none of them. They are anti-ideas. They are blank spots in the brain where thought goes blind and words turn into blithering noise. They are unthought. And they have one and only one purpose. Unthought covers any thoughts of guilt. Unthought justifies wrath and envy and foolishness and pride. Unthought justifies violence. Unthought justifies everything. And unthought is addictive, like cocaine. Once you have benumbed any unhappy thoughts about the real world, and your own small yet wicked role in it, you are free to hallucinate yourself to have godlike powers of defining true and false for yourself, right and wrong. You are free to delude yourself into thinking that you are but a tiny but omnipotent deity ruling a fine and private cosmos which extends no further than the diameter of your own skull. But anything that threatens to deprive you of the glorious freedom from truth and benumb the frightening stabs of conscience is now a threat. It is not merely a bit of momentary vainglory, it is more. It is a deadly threat to your very self-image and source of self-esteem. The addict will say and do anything, including repudiating all parts of himself that are human and humane, normal and decent and sane, to maintain his self-image. Truth becomes his enemy. Bit by bit, all truth, artistic, moral, mental, spiritual, he sponges of his own free will out of his heart and soul. Then he is fit food for the enemy to consume. These wretched fools are not the enemy. They are the tools and weapons of the enemy. The enemy is not physical and cannot be reached by physical weapons. The enemy is in their thoughts, in their hearts, and in their souls, and in yours and in mine. The one place the enemy is not is in the book of life. 